This is the David Cassidy Connections Podcast with your host, Louise Poynton. Hello everyone and a very warm welcome. David first came to London in February 1972, greeted at Heathrow Airport by thousands of screaming, delirious fans. We were beside ourselves with happiness seeing him. He was bewildered at the reaction, unaware anyone even knew who he was. He'd arrived from holiday in Europe to do some promotional work with Bell Records. Traffic outside the Dorchester Hotel where he was staying ground to a halt as fans stayed outside day and night to catch a glimpse of him. Cassidy Mania was launched. It was the start of a beautiful relationship which has lasted ever since. David was our adopted American boy next door. His legacy today lives on through the passion and determination of lifelong and loyal fans. Sharon Little is one of those. She is the driving force behind the David Cassidy Group of Great Britain. Formed in early 2017, the group has established a legacy trail around London, which started with a plaque at the Phoenix Theatre, the money for which was raised by fans, and where David starred in Blood Brothers. And Sharon is here today to tell us how it all started. Hi Louise, lovely to talk to you. Lovely to see you. <laughs> I hope everybody can understand the, uh, the Geordie accent. Um, <laughs> apologies if you can't. We could always put some sort of um, translation along the way, you know. <laughs> Do you remember when David first came to London? Oh, well, unfortunately, uh, 1972, I was only 10 years old. Um, so I wasn't quite aware of much going on at that time. I would say I was probably near 11, 12 before I became aware of David Cassidy. So probably around 74 was probably where I uh, sort of jumped into things at 12 year old. I missed the early stages. I missed the, the very beginning. I mean, I would have absolutely loved if I had been born a few years earlier. I definitely would have been part of those crowds that were jumping in the Thames and everything else, you know. I think the first um, memory I have is playing David Cassidy's um, Could It Be Forever. I think I heard it on a transistor radio. I used to take my little transistor radio upstairs to the bedroom, uh, providing that the batteries were working. And I used to just listen and I think I tuned in, I think it was a Top of the Pops or a Top 20 on a Sunday and uh, I heard him and I think I was hooked from that moment. I just heard his voice. I didn't see him. I just heard his voice. You know, we didn't have Partridge family in the UK. Uh, so at that point, so I didn't know anything about Partridge family. It was literally his voice, the soft tones. I just got shivers. And then, of course, when I did see a photograph of him, that was it. Complete love. <laughs> Instantly. I think 74, I was just uh, beginning high school. and. I think I was quite famous at school for being a a David Cassidy fanatic. I think everybody knew uh, because possibly because I had his badges and and pendants and everything. And I I used to wear them for school and I used to get them confiscated. uh, (laughs) So I wasn't allowed to wear them, but um, I used to sneak things in. So I think um, I have a memory of having a lunch break and chatting with my friends and I had sneaked the transistor radio into school. It came over on the on the radio that David Cassidy had got married. I was absolutely devastated, completely devastated. I think I screamed. Um, I dropped the transistor radio. 
and I ran and didn't know where I was going to run to, but um, it happened to be the girls' toilets. <laughs> I ran into the girls' toilets, um, locked the door, and I just absolutely broke my heart, cried and cried. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. He was married. He wasn't going to wait for me. <laughs> but um, <laughs> next thing I knew, I could hear uh, a commotion in the toilets, and the headmaster came, and I was immediately taken to the headmaster's office. And I stood in front of the headmaster and I continued crying. Oh. <laughs> and I think he took pity. He took pity. I didn't get into any trouble. Um, I, had to, I think I stayed behind for a little bit of, uh, I did a few lines or something. But apart from that, I think he took pity. So, But I do have that memory. A broken heart. Yeah. I remember asking my mother for the daily paper that day. She said, um, well, yes, it is here, but you won't like it. And I said, why? Well, whatever's the matter. And <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> gave me a copy of the paper. And there it was on the front that he got married. And oh, like you. Devastating. You know, I think it was just a heartbreaking moment that we'll always remember. Uh, but it didn't, it didn't stop. I thought, oh, well, never mind. It won't last long. I'll uh, even for me still. <laughs> so I just carried on. <laughs> <laughs> oh innocence yeah, so. oh well the, um, the innocence yes definitely i collected every single scrap of memorabilia that i could you know every record every everything that i could i had a saturday job um at 14 i think 15 and all my money went on records and lps and i had quite a little collection um and of course the bedroom wall didn't have wallpaper it just had david cassidy paper including the ceiling and I was just, and I also had a friend who was a fan, but she liked Donny Osmond too. So <laughs> there used to be a few discussions between the two of them. I used to always make sure David won. Um, but yeah, I think he was just always on the radar. And I think um, possibly was sort of moved through towards the 80s. I can remember being more interested in other things he was doing. Obviously, I was growing up as well and I, he was on the theatre. Um, I think it was the late 80s when he was in the musical time. But um, I remember I was determined I was going to see him in that because I, I used to like the theatre myself. So um, I got a bus, overnight bus on my own. And um, I mean, I was only what, early, early 20s. Um, we didn't travel so much back then, but I got a bus on my own, travelled to London got to the theatre, saw him in time and I was just mesmerised, absolutely mesmerised. I hadn't a clue what the story was about but I just stared at David the whole time. <laughs> so but that night uh, I think I don't know whether the show overran a little bit but I nearly missed my overnight bus back home. I can remember it was Victoria Coach Station uh, and the taxi driver from the Dominion Theatre was it? Yes. He, uh, he didn't know the way to Victoria Coach Station uh, it was a so it was touch and go and I saw the bus and I literally ran out in front of the double decker bus you know waving my arms and stop bus <laughs> um, I managed to get on and I got back home in one piece so I think I just went whenever I could wherever I could and whether it was on my own or with a friend I think I was just always aware of David and what he was doing and admiring from a distance. Did you like the later work yeah. that he did? 
Yeah, I mean, actually, um, I thought he was really great in the 1980s, especially. And that Royal Albert Hall concert was just absolutely stunning. What I would have given to have been there. Yeah, I think I think with each sort of decade, you know, he, he changed and he grew. And I think as teeny boppers, we grew and I think we grew with him. But just becoming more aware of the talent that he actually had. He wasn't just a picture, a voice. He was so much more. I think just completely hooked from day one and followed every single era. I was lucky enough, I think I managed, I think he came to the UK a few times and I did get to see him. I was lucky. Um, he came to Newcastle. I think it was one of those um, rewind tour things. I saw him there and I also saw him at the City Hall in Newcastle. Um, I, I was lucky enough I did go and see him. But maybe not as much as some fans, but of course it was expensive as well. So I remember the uh, the City Hall um, concert. I was a little bit naughty at that one. Um, me and my friend went, and we didn't we didn't have very good seats when we got there. The seats were way back, and uh, I thought I'm not having this. This is awful. And we noticed there was a the box which was directly above the stage was empty, and I kind of nudged at my friend and said. Uh, what do you think? What do you think? And we literally were sneaked, you know, tiptoed <laughs> during the concert and we went up to the box. Um, there was a security guard behind and we sat in the box quietly and he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, you know, okay, as long as you're quiet type of thing. So we managed to get in the box. And of course, when I was so hysterical, I think this was probably the 90s. Um, I was a grown-up woman, you know, but um, when you saw him, you kind of acted like a, a school child all over again. And uh, I was with Bo. He brought uh, Bo onto the stage, which was really nice. I leaned over the balcony and I'm shouting, David, David, David. And he actually looked up and I got a smile and a wave. Well, I nearly passed out. I nearly passed out and the security guard kind of said, right, any more noise when you're out? <laughs> <laughs> but I got an acknowledgement so David did see us for that brief moment a brief moment and that's as close as I ever got it it matters it's amazing how just a moment in his presence yeah. or a moment where he looks at you lasts mm -hmm. a lifetime for people yeah it does it really does it's just imprinted isn't it it's in the DNA it's just um you know it's just the, the background to your whole life it's yeah. just there and and just talking about it and thinking about it he brings all those emotions back. I think that's why I kind of set up the um, the GB group. Explain to, to us how that formed. Well, I kind of, I wasn't really into Facebook that much. I sort of flicked through some of the Facebook groups and noticed there was a lot of the American uh, sites, you know, the US Facebook groups. And I just thought, you know, there's nothing for, for David much in the UK. One night just decided, right, I'm going to set a group up. Hadn't got a clue how to do it. I wasn't really technology wise about Facebook or anything and just set up this group. So that was, um, I think it was the January uh, and immediately it took off and I started to make friends, the same friends that I have today, which is amazing. Really, we all connected and I think um, everybody loved the idea that, you know, there was other fans with, with a similar sort of, you know, mentality and uh, just to connect up and that people understood how you felt. They didn't think you were crazy, like most people in your family think you're crazy, you know. And mm -hmm. um, it was just lovely to connect up with fellow crazy people. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's how I started the group. 
in, in the January and the group just gradually built momentum. And then unfortunately the sad news came in the November, mm-hmm. which was pretty devastating, obviously. I was at the time going through a bad patch with uh, eye trouble. Um, I had had some surgeries for retina detachments and things and I was actually in hospital um, in the November having an eye surgery. Uh, when I went into hospital, I was aware that David was poorly, um, but I literally heard it um, came over on. I had the little radio thing and I had the eye patches on my eyes. I couldn't see bandages and it came through and just couldn't believe it. And it was awful because I was in hospital and I had them bandages on. I couldn't see and I remember crying and I remember the tears were actually stinging behind the, the bandages after the surgery. But um, yeah, you never forget those moments either. After I, re- I recovered from all of that, I think by the December, January, possibly the following year, I can remember I put something out on Facebook because I remember thinking there hasn't been a memorial, there hasn't been anything for him or anything like that. And I put something out on Facebook just in general to say, do you think we should do something for David in the UK? You know, should we have a memorial? Should we do something for him? And then, of course, everybody, there was lots of ideas bouncing around. Um, and it just came about through discussions, what we were going to do, the way forward. The initial idea was to have a plaque at the Phoenix Theatre. Yes, well, because um, I thought, well, where can we put a plaque? What can we do? And then I thought, theatre, because I've always liked theatre. And I think I said to one of the girls, which theatre was it that David played Blood Brothers? And uh, she said, oh, the Phoenix Theatre. And literally, I think it was the next, that day, I think I wrote an email to the Phoenix Theatre um, and asked and amazed at the response that the manager there was really lovely and said, yes, yes, you can. <laughs> Couldn't believe how easy that was. Of course, um, everything after that wasn't so easy, but <laughs> we got the initial go ahead to do it. So that was the start. That was the beginning of the journey. Yeah, I remember coming to the set ceremony that day and meeting you for, for the first time. And it was a deeply moving oh. occasion. Was it everything you expected yeah, to honour to honour his memory? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, everything and more, really. The work that went into it, um, there was a lot of work went into it. Um, behind the scenes, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. But during that time, I made a lot of friends. I made contacts with a lot of people. And the sort of group that we managed to form together, we all worked with each other and helped each other along. I prepared a presentation, you know, an itinerary of events and that kind of thing. I mean, it was quite a task, really, quite a big job. Now, when I look at it now, I think, how did I do all that? (laughs) But it's surprising what you can do. And of course, the nerves on the day that everything was going to go to plan. That was, uh, yeah, I'll never forget that feeling. The first thing was, of course, when I went to meet Mike Reed, um, looking for him, and I couldn't find him. <laughs> um, there was a great big wagon parked right outside the, the stage door, which was completely in the way for photographs and for everybody. And I thought, oh, God, everything's going to go wrong. And I can remember running down the back lane, trying to find who the driver was um, to get him to move the wagon. And it was just a bit like a wedding, you know, and you get married and like things go wrong. (laughs) It was kind of that kind of feeling. But obviously everything did come together in the end. It was fantastic. And a lovely guy he was when I did meet him. Absolutely lovely. Um, Before the unveiling, we kind of went into the... uh, backstage you know the the back entrance and we stood and we chatted and he told me a few little stories about David 
about the parties that he'd been to with David and different things like that. So it was lovely. It was, uh, yeah. And I mean, the other girls, they reached out to people as well. Now, the success of the plaque unveiling, did you ever for one moment think more memorials and tributes in London and across the country I, follow? I don't think I did, actually. But I think um, after the event, it kind of felt an anticlimax. And I thought, you know, hey, we could do so much more. There's so much more we could do. And there's so many other places and things he's, you know, he's done in the UK that I'd like to commemorate. Uh, so I think really, as soon as the Phoenix plaque was over, we just cracked on with the next with the next thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, we had the Bristol Hippodrome Star as well. We had raised so much, you know, so much, and this is the this is all due to the fans. This is all due to the fans' generosity. You know, there the, the had been so much funds raised. I thought, well, I wonder if we could do something else as well. You know, where where did he play in Blood Brothers? So I wrote to the Bristol Hippodrome, and um, all they could offer was obviously the star in the in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. um, which I thought great. So we've got that for five years I think but we have got the opportunity to renew it which we will we'll try and keep it there as long as we can um just in recognition I mean we could have done it ourselves but the whole idea is that it's from the fans it's you know to give the fans the opportunity it's all about sharing and sharing the legacy and doing things together I put a fundraiser out um I've never done one of those before ever either and absolutely amazed at the response absolutely amazed I mean the money came pouring in and I thought well at one point we've got enough money now for the plaque you know kind of what we're going to do and that's when we decided to um, donate to a charity to dementia and I got in touch with Dementia UK and the lady there was lovely and very supportive and managed to get her to come to the event as well and present the cheque so I think we raised about £700 for dementia and another £200 for mind, all in David's memory. It all has to have a connection. You know, we don't just reach out to anybody or anything. It all has to be connected. It all has to be part of the journey, Mm. part of the legacy. Now, there are further memorials in the area of Hammersmith, um, Mm -hmm. which the group has, has been involved with. Tell us about the memorial. There's one at St. Giles in the Field Church. You have a bench Mm -hmm. in the Phoenix Garden, a plaque. Tell us how Um, they evolved. Yeah, I think, um, so Hammersmith, obviously David came to the UK quite and quite often played at Hammersmith Apollo. And that was quite an iconic sort of location. But as with a lot of these locations, um, these sort of concert halls are now owned by big arenas. Um, you know they've changed and things and they don't want plaques and they don't want you know anything like that for one particular star they just you know so we just kind of looked around in that location and the Hammersmith Park was kind of central to you know um, the Hammersmith Apollo, BBC News, um, you know Television Centre all of those it was kind of central and we just felt that that was a good place so just wrote off to the council and, and got that one organised and that was pretty straightforward really and actually it turned out really really lovely because it's somewhere that fans can go and we can all sit on the bench and have a little chat and have a walk around the park and talk about David and you know and it just feels so lovely and peaceful and tranquil in there 
and we just feel and of course it's as you go into the park he's kind of got the first bench as you go to the left and it's in a good spot where you can just sit and you've got the overview of the park it's it's lovely um so it was quite a straightforward and easy sort of memorial to create that one initially you're disappointed when these large venues don't allow you to have but there's always something else you can do instead you just got to put your thinking cap on <laughs> yes because you have a, a make-a-wish charity virtual wall as well yeah we do yeah oh uh, well that came about um obviously the location of the phoenix theater you know and the st giles sort of area and that location is obviously sort of symbolic to the time the short time that david did spend in that area and um it was only after sort of the event that we realized that the garden was there because it's kind of just directly in front of the theater and behind a sort of you know fencing and things like that but we had a little walk around there and just thought oh, we've got to do something in here you know one of the girls was really really determined to do it but i must admit the phoenix garden wasn't the easiest um memorial plaque to get it went on for months and months and months lots of communications because it's run by volunteers um it's not easy to track these people down but we just carried on we persisted over months and months they wouldn't allow anything to have his name on they didn't want it to be a memorial garden as such um so we decided if we used the word dreams wishes and happy trails all fans would know exactly who we were talking about and then we connected that up with the uh the wishes charity you know um it's got the children's make a wish charity and i think there was uh, a few hundred pound raised to connect that so i think most of the memorials that well all of the memorials we've done will link it in with a charity and then a charity a children's charity i think david used to support quite a lot of children's charities so it's always with david in mind you know um so that's how the the phoenix garden came about and then of course you've got the beautiful st giles church just beside it all together and uh we thought that would be a fantastic place would have somewhere to go to remember david um you know every year in november and meet up again um and the church have been fa fabulous they've been really really lovely about it all very supportive and of course we've supported them with donations and things like that and it's just it's now become another sort of um symbolic place to meet and you know we, there's a real presence when you go in there you know you have a real feeling um it's just somewhere nice to go for the fans to go and remember david of course with the garden and the theater and the church and it's all in the same area and the other little thing other little thing to connect those things um we often when we do meet up in london we stay at the st giles hotel in london so that's another st giles thing so we decided i think we need a, a picture of david up in the st giles hotel why not so we managed to cajole the uh the restaurant um in in the hotel and we've got a nice we've got a beautiful framed poster of david up in there as well so anybody that goes in the hotel david's there as well so <laughs> yeah that was that was nice that was another nice little get together as well you know you can get a get a table in there and uh sit and look at david at the same time so <laughs> Yeah, why do you think it's so it's so important to to have these memorials in his name? Uh, we don't ever want to forget them. You know, we never want to forget them. We always want to remember them. And I think it was such an important, massive part of you know our growing up years and everything. And it just it's such a connection. And um, 
it's just brought so many friendships, so many people together. And David did say he wanted to, you know, spread love and light. And that's exactly what he's done by doing this, you know, um, the love and the, the shared friendship that everybody has. It's just, it's all because of him. All like-minded, we all have the same. There's no sort of uh, competition or anything like that. We'll work together. Um, and we're all, David's central to everything. And it just means that, you know, there's somewhere that fans can meet, you know, he won't be forgotten. We're determined that, you know, um, he's left his mark. He's left his mark in our hearts and he's, left, he's leaving his mark in the UK. I can see how emotional that makes you. Yeah, it does. It's, it's, it's really, really important. And um, I feel really strongly about it all. You've also got a plaque at the Queen's Building at Heathrow where we all would congregate to welcome him to the country, to wave him goodbye. Where did that idea stem from? Well, I mean, there's that iconic sort of footage, isn't there, of David's sort of location. And uh, when we kind of researched about Heathrow, we realised they were doing their 70, as part of their 70 years celebrations, there was various plaques throughout the airport. Um, I think it was Joanna Lumley that launched it. And there's quite a lot of sort of famous pop stars. I mean, even the Queen's got a plaque, you know. Um, and one of our members decided, right, we're going to write. We wrote to them. And surprisingly, the, the contact that we made was actually David Cassidy fan. Of course, he was, he was, oh, fantastic, wonderful. Oh, yes, we'll definitely do that one and things like that. So, yeah. And actually, that's happened quite a few times when we've reached out to people um, in various places. Oh, I'm a David Cassidy fan. I'm a David Cassidy fan. It's really surprising um, how that comes about. So, yeah, so the, um, unfortunately, with the Heathrow plaque, you can't just go in and see it. You can't, you know, um, because obviously with security and that kind of thing. But it's just there. It's a marker. It's a marker that David, you know, um, it marks the big events of those sort of years of the hysteria and everything like that um, that David experienced and we all experienced and it's just a marker it's there. Mm -hmm. Now outside of London we've also got memorials in Nottingham and Sheffield. One of our group actually lives in Nottingham. I wrote to the concert hall and uh, surprisingly yes we could get a seat plaque in there and Tracy, Tracy Wright uh, went along and got the photographs and met the lady there and I think David performed quite a few times in Nottingham and uh, Tracy had a lot of memories so it was nice for her to be able to to go and you know see the plaque there. So Nottingham was another one in Sheffield. He performed it Sheffield quite a few times but of course at another venue that's one of these big arenas so we couldn't really actually mark that with a with a theatre or a, or a concert hall so we came up with the idea of the Heart of Steel and we just thought well that would be something nice fans that live in around Sheffield who've been to Sheffield to see David they've got somewhere to go as well it's not just about London it's about all over the country. So um, are you looking at other yeah. venues and cities my hometown is Newcastle and um, I saw him at Newcastle and the City Hall I've wrote and wrote and I've rang them and I've cajoled <laughs> and I did it's now actually um, part of the O2 group um, and I did actually finally get yes we'll have a display we'll have a picture because we're going to do that kind of thing in the foyer but then of course Covid has kind of stopped everything so that's, that's in the pipeline. I'll have something in Newcastle for him. Um, yeah, and then of course we've got Wembley. 
There's one at the Wembley Arena. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, Wembley, Wembley's a, a big, iconic place, isn't it, really? We actually enlisted the help of one of our Australian friends, Ali Groundsill, to draw a nice picture, uh, have it framed, and we placed it in the glass cabinet. And David sat there in that glass cabinet with all of these iconic other stars, David Bowie and um you know all all the he's, he's in there with the best put it that way so that's kind of mark that marks that area as well we'll find it difficult to switch off and to stop actually thinking where can what can we do next you know sometimes we need a little break and we think oh, you know we're gonna have a break from it because it becomes it is quite pressure you know you get a lot of pressure and a lot of stress with it a lot of anxiety it's worth it it's so worth it but um i think we'll have a little break and then we'll think we we'll just put our heads together and we, we do it all together you know, we, just, we throw ideas out at each other and eventually something comes up. Has it taken over your life? <sighs> a wee bit. <laughs> a wee bit, I must admit. I must admit. I mean, my children, obviously, they've already left home, but I think they would have left home if they had still been at home. Um, I think my daughter has disowned me totally. <laughs> she's, actually, she's actually saying now, Mum, if it makes you happy, then it's all right. As long as it makes you happy. And of course, uh, my husband as well, bless him. <laughs> he, you know, he's great. He's really good. I mean, there is a difference. You've got your personal life. I mean, I run a business, you know, um, I've got to keep my eye on the ball with the business. I kind of multitask. The David stuff, I love and I enjoy and it's emotional and I've made such really, really good friends from it. I think we'll be friends for life, to be honest. You know, every opportunity we get, we'll meet up and it's really, really, it's just special. It's just magical. So it's worth, it's worth all the stress. It's worth all the hassle. <laughs> because in addition to all these, these physical tributes, you've also adopted animals in David's memory. I think the very first, um, I think I did it myself, actually. I think it was Christmas and uh, it was Brands, Bransby Horses I got in touch with and I adopted a horse called Justice in David's uh, name. But that kind of, I developed like a little bit of relationship with Bransby Horses. And recently we've adopted another horse called Saratoga. And what we do is we keep in touch with Bransby and we keep updates of how he's doing and, you know, things that he's doing. In fact, I think there's going to be something this week, um, a video, um, sort of little update about him. Pauline Toomes has kept in touch with the lady in Australia. That came about because of the fires, you know, the dreadful fires in Australia. And we thought about these poor little koala bears, you know, that were running away from the fire, uh, had nowhere to go. This is how we adopted the little koala bear. The, the, the lady that was working at the, uh, the charity there that was looking after the koalas is a massive David Cassidy fan, mm. would you believe? Was meant to be. And she sent photographs to us of our scrapbooks and all of our memorabilia and things like that. So there was a massive connection there. Um, with Solstice, he's called Solstice. We also like the name as well. So we'll keep regular updates with Solstice as well. We've also connected with British um, Horse Retraining Centre. I think we've made, I think we made quite a big donation to those. Um, as I think David was keen about um, uh, horses, you know, about what happened to them after, the, you know, after they'd been racing and that kind of thing. And this centre rehabilitates horses in that way so we haven't actually adopted an animal or anything there but we do support them as well the animals and the charities and everything is all connected when you started all this did you draw up a business plan do you run it like your hairdressing business no not at all <laughs> 
<laughs> I, can, I think the yeah, uh, I think this is um, there. This more, this comes more from the heart. I think this comes more from the heart than it does. It's just an emotional thing. It's an emotional thing rather than a business. We don't have any plans. Something will just pop up there and we'll just do it. There isn't a plan. It's, it's just more of a, a gut instinct. Now, talking about your hairdressing salon, would you have ever liked to have styled mm-hmm. <gasps> Well, that's a question. <gasps> I don't think, do you know, I think my hands would have been shaking too much. <laughs> what would I do? Oh, I would have absolutely, yeah, mm. yeah, I would have done it if I'd had yeah. the opportunity. But it is quite a difficult cut. I think there's been a few sort of imitations, but what I would have given, what I would have given. I, can, we, can we move on to talk about the 12th of April 2019 get-together you had at the Phoenix Theatre? Because I think people came from far and wide for, for that, didn't they? That was... Um, absolutely fantastic as well I mean everybody was just so lovely we um we raised money again for the children's variety and um, so we all had the children's variety t-shirts and that kind of thing it was really nice of the uh, theatre manager to allow us that sort of bar area to ourselves and um we did uh, quizzes and competitions and things and we all danced and sang like crazy banshees on the dance floor you know and uh, all connected up it was really really fantastic really enjoyed it and again it's the it's the getting together it's literally the getting together of everybody and all like-minded you know all all of the same you were pl- planning a tour of london on a vintage <sighs> double-decker bus this oh, summer. that would have been i know that was so disappointing i mean mm. there was quite a lot of work went into that as well because obviously it wasn't a, a cheap thing to sort of organize it was quite an expensive thing so the only way we could do that, I mean, was by creating like a ticket, ticketing sort of website. I mean, I'd never done anything like that before so that people could purchase the tickets. Um, it was financially quite a lot of worry, but we managed it um, until COVID came along. But I mean, that was going to be spectacular. We were going to pass all these iconic locations together. Um, there was going to be an itinerary. We're going to sing songs. It was going to be a real David Cassidy double-decker bus through London. We've got uh, sort of souvenirs. We had souvenirs to give out and, and that kind of thing, you know. Which see, so I wouldn't say never again either. So perhaps I don't know next year maybe because I thought it was a great idea. Why is it important for you to to remember him in this way? Why is it important? Um, that's a good question, actually. It's just, again, it's just, it's almost like um, I'm compelled to do this. I'm driven. <laughs> I'm driven um, by what he meant and the love. And um, he's basically just the, the background to my upbringing and everything. And um, I don't want him ever to be forgotten. I think we're just driven by making sure that his legacy is the one of love and, and positivity. We know all of the, the sort of the downsides. He was human, um, but that's not what we want him remembered for. You know, I mean, he was re- he should be remembered for the for the lovely man that he was and and what he actually achieved. He achieved a lot. I don't think he realised himself how much he achieved. Just want him to know in heaven that you know we'll never forget him. And he probably never realised how much we all loved him. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, I mean, it's like when we all get together and things like that, you know, we have the, there's such a strong, powerful feeling, you know, it's, we feel as if almost he's there with us at times, you know, we just have this real strong, powerful feeling together. Um, it, it gets, it becomes quite emotional, 
it really does it becomes quite emotional um but it, it's a sort of an emotional uh celebration it mm -hmm. has to be about positivity and about happiness about spreading the love sharing among friends like all the positive things and we'll carry on to make sure that that positive legacy is there how do you think he would feel i think he'd be <sighs> pretty proud oh, and, i hope so i'd like yeah i'd like to think so yeah and probably a bit humbled to think me mm -hmm. you're doing this for me I wouldn't like him to think, oh, it's them crazy fans again. <laughs> I wouldn't like him to think that because I think we're always very aware that um, we keep everything quite grounded and quite, you know, whenever we reach out to people, uh, we don't want the, you know, connections to David, friends or people he's worked with or whatever. We don't want them to think we're just a bunch of crazy fans, you know, the reasons we're doing it you know, are genuine sort of reasons. And it's surprising. I've had some lovely, just recently, actually, some lovely messages. And I think he came to terms a lot more with the Partridge family as he got older. Um, because there really was some great music came from the Partridge family. I know it was classed as bubblegum pop or whatever, but today it's so iconic hearing a lot of the Partridge family songs, you know. So, you know, it's all part of the legacy. I'd like to think David would approve of, you know, what we've done and how we've done it. Long may the legacy live on. Yes, well, it definitely will with us, definitely. Um, I mean, I might be sitting here 70-year-old, you know, and I'm still doing it. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, from, li from Little Acorns Grow, but particularly, it's, it's been a journey. It's been a journey, and it, the journey's still going on. The journey's not finished. If you have enjoyed this episode, tell your friends, share on social media, and I would love it if you subscribed. That way you can find out first when a new episode is available. Until we connect again, stay safe, take care of yourselves and each other.